0: Jesus is the Messiah Savior. Does God feel distant? Does life feel empty? In John 4, we see Jesus meet an outcast woman and lead her toward a deeper, better experience of God. So let's get into it. I'm going to assume, since we're about a half an hour from Lambeau Field, and the person closest to me is wearing a Packers mask, I'm just going to assume that the majority of people in this room are Packers fans. Is that safe? Is there, is, is there anyone here brave enough to admit they're not a Packers fan? Okay, uh, are we going to boo them or are we going to be Christian about this? Okay, we're going to... Let's just pretend for a second, just imagine that you're all Packers fans. Even if you're not, just go with me. Just for, for the next five minutes, just go with me on this, all right? Let's, let's pretend we're, we're all diehard Packers fans. And I'm talking like the, the 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 weirdos that like paint their face and their bodies and like standing out there at like negative a thousand degrees and the snow's falling and you know everyone else would have died or gone home but these Packers fan they're hanging in there. Let's pretend we're those we're those diehard Packers fans, okay? And um, here's my question: as a diehard Packers uh, Packers fan like that, what would it take for you to become a Bears fan? Like what? <laughs> I know this is borderline, this is like borderline blasphemy, but I prayed about it, I feel like I'm good on this. Just, just, or, or, or even just like have, what if, what, what, what if you're like best friend, what would it take for you to become best friends with a guy that is a Bears fan? Let's, let's just let's just go there. What, what, like the kind of best friend that you like this dude so much that you 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 go and you tell everyone you know all your other Packers fans like hey you got I got this Bears fan he's my best friend you got to meet this Bears fan what, what would it take um, we're gonna go through John chapter four uh, and it has nothing to do with being a Bears fan but <laughs> imagine this imagine you're staring at a vending machine you're super hungry and they don't have anything that great in there but you're super hungry and it's your only option so you're scanning it through the different you know the, the things you got the you know you got a snickers you got a payday everyone's like what what is a payday why is that in there and you, and you land on cheetos you're going to go with cheetos so you push you know, you put in your quarters click 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 b or i guess today you just double click your watch and hold it up whatever it is you push b seventeen, the thing starts going slowly and these these, you know the the Cheetos just like slowly start coming at you. You're getting excited about these. And they they get to that point where they're almost and they pause for a second and in a split second you lose everything good in your system and you're like, I will punch through this freaking glass (laughs) if this thing even tries to and and, but then it it, you know, thank god God's watching over you. They fall. Clunk! They hit the bottom. You flip the thing open. You reach in. You get your Cheetos. Now imagine this: as you're as you're opening these, you got to hang with me here, okay? As you're opening, you turn and leaning up next to the Coke machine, uh, next to the next vending machine over. There's there's a dude, thirty something ish, scraggly beard, looks like he could use a shower, maybe a bit wearied, uh, and he's wearing a bear's shirt. And let's imagine in this hypothetical you're wearing like a good Packers fan, die hard. You're of course wearing wearing your Packers, you know, uh, you, got, you got the number twelve on. And dude, dude looks at you straight in the eyeballs and goes, Hey uh you give me some Cheetos. And you're like, oh wait, what? Hold on. Hey you are a you're a Bears fan? Yeah I'm a Packers I'm clearly a Packers. We're clearly not ever gonna be friends like you you want me to just get your own, get your own Cheetos? Why, why on earth are you asking me to give you Cheetos? And then dude and then dude like super weird gets real mysterious and goes, "Here's the deal: if you knew who I was, I'll say he's still leaning on the thing like this." He goes, "If you knew if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me to give you Cheetos." <laughs> and the Cheeto, and the Cheetos I'd give you, it change your life like no no Cheetos you've ever had before. And and you're like, okay. You don't even have quarters. One second ago, you're asking me to get you Cheetos. You, don't even, you can't even get your own Cheetos. And now you're talking about, you, I should be asking you for Cheetos. You're the Bears fan of the Packers. Like, what, what on earth? And he goes, he goes yeah, 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 get it. No, listen. The Cheetos I have are like no Cheetos. They'll, they will change your life. You'll never be hungry again. These Cheetos are life-changing. And at this point you're like intrigued. You're like, "Okay, Cheeto, man. <laughs> Keep talking. Let's You know, let's talk. Where, where are these things? Let, I'll try. You you got, you got you got my interest." And then right there when you're thinking dude's going to give you some magic Cheeto, he goes, "Hey, by the way, I I saw your browser history and and you're like, "Wait. What?" And he's like, "Hey, and also, and I've been listening. I I've, I've heard for the last like 3 years." You know, every time at work when you're gossiping about that one lady, you know, you know the, the the one, you know, and you're gossiping, you're talking all this crap about her. No, I've been hearing all that, and, and you're like, wait, wait, hold this, hold on a second. I thought this was about Cheetos, and you're a Bears fan, Packers fan. Like, what's going on now? All of a sudden, you're you're telling me my stuff, and then he goes, and and then there's that one thing, and whatever he says right there, he just names the skeleton that's in your closet, and and, and he Describes it in perfect accuracy and perfect detail, and you're like, okay, you're not a normal Bears fan and then you start having a conversation with this dude. And you talk about religion, you talk about politics, you talk about life, you talk about God, you talk about the deeper things. And by the end of this long conversation, you are just, you've made the best friend, and he's a Bears fan, but he's just a be, your best, I mean, you're going, this guy is insane. And so you run off, and, and you're like, you run into town like a crazy dude, and you're just like, hey, y'all, you guys got to come meet this guy. You, you, all your Packer friends, you're like, come on, come on. You got, no, seriously, you got to check this guy out. Yeah, yeah, no, you gotta meet. I just, I just, I just met this guy. He's a Bears fan. I, and they're like, he's a Bears fan. Why do you want me to meet a Bears fan? And he's like, no, no, just trust me on this. Just trust me. On. This guy, he he talked to me about Cheetos, and then told, gave me magic Cheetos, and then and then all of a sudden he t- he tells me all this crap that I've done in my past. And and then I was listening, and we were talking about. It and man, when he was talking about God, it was just my mind was blowing up. It's like no one I've ever met before. You gotta you gotta come meet this dude, right? This is, kind, this is a really bad analogy for what happens in John chapter 4. Let's dive into John chapter 4, and what we're going to read is the longest conversation that Jesus had with another human is in John chapter 4. We're going to dive in right at verse 3. I'm going to put the verses up there as we go, so, so follow along. I want you to know, that as I'm making stuff up, the whole Cheeto thing, the Packers, thing, I made all that up. Uh, this, this I'm not making, making up, this is stuff I'm getting straight out of the Word of God, okay? So, uh, John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee, Judea, picture a map of Israel. Judea is the region in the south part of Israel. Galilee is the region in the north part of Israel. And he had to pass through, dun, 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 Samaria. This is that dark, this is like no-fly zone. This is Bears fans. This is, the, this, you don't go there. He had to pass through Samaria. There was serious animosity between Jews and Samaritans at the time. There was ethnic tensions. There were serious religious tensions. There were political tensions. And so it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Did he have to because it was the only... The only route, no. No. In fact, the normal route, the route most commonly taken by Jews of Jesus' time would have been to head across the Jordan, go north, and then go over into Galilee so they can avoid, avoid the whole Samaritan mess, the whole region of Samaria altogether. So it wasn't the only route. That's not why he had to go. Was, it, was he just a little low on time and needed a shortcut it's possible. It's possible Jesus is like, let's just take the shortcut and know we've got to deal with the Samaritans. That's possible, but at the end of this narrative, Jesus camps out for two extra nights in Samaria. So it does, that doesn't sound like someone who's in a huge hurry uh, to me. So I don't think it's the shortcut thing. So what is it? Jesus had to. Here's what it is, I believe. Every time John uses in his gospel, this verb had to, also translated must, every time it talks about divine necessity. He tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. You have to be born again. He says the son of man has to be lifted up. John the Baptist says, I must, I have to decrease and he has to increase. Every time John's, John uses this verb. It's to express something that is necessary for the accomplishment of God's will. So I say when Jesus had to go through Samaria, I think Jesus had an appointment. Like if we could rewind back then and be like, yo, Jesus, why are you taking the Samaritan route? That's a little weird. We don't usually do that. Why are we doing that this time? I think it would have been like, listen, I got an appointment i gotta, I got to I gotta get to Sychar. There's a, there's a city there in Samaria. It's, it's, you know the one just by the field? It's by the, Jacob's field. The one he gave to Joseph. There's the well there. i got to get to that well by high noon on Tuesday because i got an appointment. There's a young lady I need to meet there. There's a, there's a very important person, a VIP. She's there. i got to meet her. Jesus had to go through Samaria. So, verse 5, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, Near the field of Jacob, uh, near to the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's high noon. That's about noon. And it's important. It was about the sixth hour. Now, something very odd is going to happen at about the sixth hour beside the well. Verse 7 A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Why is this odd? Women came to draw water normally in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening, beat the heat, makes sense, it's practical, you get your water for the day, and they didn't come alone, they came in groups. Why? It was social and it was secure. Social, man, we got solidarity, this is our time, we're doing this thing together, and we're safer. There's riffraff passing by. Who knows? We could get harassed. We could get, we could get all sorts of stuff happen, bad stuff happen to us. So let's go together. We go to the flock. But this, this lady, John says, a woman came. She was just one. She was by herself. So you know right off the bat, she's coming when they don't know where to come, and she's coming by herself. Why? Because she's a pariah. She's a social outcast, persona non grata. You get what I'm saying? She, she, people know about her, and she's not she's not welcome and accepted in the little, uh, you know, women's well water club or whatever they got going. Right? She's an she's an outcast. And Jesus says to her, "Give me a drink." Now I don't think he's like, "Give me a drink." I don't. Think, Jesus is not a jerk. I mean, he died for people. He did stuff like that. So I think he was probably like, hey, can you give me a drink? I'm imagining Jesus would use that tone. Now, something you gotta understand. You might think that, uh, let's make this one Jesus. And uh, let's make this one the the Samaritan woman. You might think, man, these are just two humans, right? They're side by side. No big deal, but here's the deal. They weren't just just two humans. He 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 was he was Jewish and and she was Samaritan. So there's separation there. And it, it wasn't just that he was Jewish, but he was a Jewish man and she was she was a, a Samaritan woman. Listen, like men back then didn't even talk to women in public. Like some of the most pious of guys wouldn't even talk to their wives or their, or their sisters in public, okay? But it wasn't just that. We're gonna learn a few verses down in the story that this lady's got a past. And Jesus isn't just a Jewish man, he's a rabbi, Right? He is a, a, a Jewish leader, a religious leader, a person of prominence. And, and, and so it separates them even more. And she is not just a woman and not just a Samaritan woman, but a Samaritan woman of ill repute. She's got a history. Ladies and gentlemen, these two types of people would never have, have talked Any self-respecting rabbi would not have associated with this woman. And later on, you even find out that some of Jesus' own disciples, when they come back, because they're out buying food, when they come back, they're like, what's going on? But no one spoke up. They were wondering. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria for jews have have no dealings with Samaritans doesn 't mean they they, they wouldn 't stop by a Samaritan quick trip and you know pick up a couple you know glazers or something. It just meant they they wouldn 't eat together you know they wouldn 't hang out together they definitely wouldn 't drink out of the same water you know ladle or anything like this how how is it and jesus answered her if you knew the gift of god and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water you see the way that jesus he had to go through samaria and then immediately this woman's right at the surface and Jesus starts moving her to deeper spiritual things. He immediately starts moving away from talking about food, the weather, politics, the latest hot topic, and moves toward the deepest, her deepest spiritual need. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. And he was so confident in who he was. He said, and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's what I want to talk about tonight, living water. He's moving her from the superficial to the deep. It's like he's saying, listen, I don't want to talk about water. I don't want to squabble over social Nonsense. Listen, let's talk about the real thing, your soul. I don't, I don't want to talk about water. I want, to talk, I want to talk to you about living water. I don't want to talk to you about physical thirst. I, I want to talk to you about your soul thirst. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is super deep, probably 100 feet or so. Where do you get that living water? You can almost hear the sass in her voice, right? She doesn't get it. She doesn't get where he's going. She still thinks he's probably thinking, you know, this guy thinks he's better than me. She still thinks he's talking about H2O. And Jesus is just so not talking about H2O here. And then she says, verse 12, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you, you think you're better than us? Like all the rest of the Jews think y'all are better than all the rest of us Samaritans? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, everyone who drinks from this well is going to be thirsty again. He said, but I want to talk about a different water. Water. I want to talk to you about a better water that quenches a deeper thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up. That word welling is a poor choice of words It's shouting like, or, or jetting, like whatever a fountain does, shooting out, welling up. To eternal life. Jesus says, That's the water I want to talk to you about. That's the water I want to talk to you about. The water that will satisfy your soul's deepest longing. Because, woman, he's saying, Listen to me, whether you know it or not. You ain't never going to be satisfied drinking other waters. Your soul is never going to be satisfied until your soul finds its satisfaction in God alone. So what's the, what's the water that Jesus offers? It's new life. It's new life with God. This living water where God knows you and you know him and he's your God and you're his child and you experience a relationship of love and forgiveness and his faithfulness and his goodness in your life and, and it, starts, it starts today and, and it continues on Friday all the way till eternity. Man, this, is, this, is the, this is the living water that Jesus is talking about. And until we receive the water that Jesus offers, we've just got a void in our souls that we're just going to try to fill a million different... We've got a thirst in our souls that we're going to try to quench with all sorts of different water from all sorts of of different wells. But they're just cheap substitutes. And at the end, what do we have except... A few more regrets and some, some bruises. What do we, we, we've got the same exact thirst that we started with. We're just as parched as ever before. Jesus says, if you receive what I offer you, that thirst, that thirst that I'm talking about will be satisfied for eternity. And now he's got her attention. Verse 15, she says, okay, all right. Sir, all right, this sounds good. Give me this water. Give me this water so that I will I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Does she get it entirely? No. But she's starting to get that there's something deeper. Right? There's something different about this guy, Jesus. And and so she says, okay, yeah, I'll take some of that water. And then I won't have to come here anymore to this place of shame. This place where every bad decision I've ever made is just rubbed in my face and pinned on my chest like some sort of scarlet A. This place where the fact that I'm an outcast and I've got a past is always fresh. Man, if I don't have to come here anymore, yeah, I'll take it. Sign me up. And Jesus says, Go, uh, go call your husband and come here. Jesus knows there's still something separating her, something bigger, something deeper that's separating her from God. There's something else that's keeping her from the living water that'll satisfy her soul for eternity. He says, hey, go, go call your husband and, and come here. And she says, well, actually, um, I, uh, I, I have no husband. And is there a time when we get more creative than when we're trying to hide our sin? Actually, I have, I have no husband. And Jesus says, well, you got that right. You're telling the truth there. You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus knows her public sinful past and he knows her private sinful future. Sorry, sinful present. And he exposes it. Why? Is it to condemn her? Does he expose it to, to rub it in her face? Does he, does he expose her to shame her? No. Jesus exposes her sin so that he can set her free. Jesus exposes the sin of our past. Not so that he can shame us in the present, but so that he can change our future. This is the business he's in. Religion shames sin. Jesus forgives. Jesus moves this woman past the sin symptoms to the root of the sin problem. know what her problem was it's not that she was uh, guilty of adultery it's not that she was this promiscuous person it's that she had always been drinking from the wrong wells she had a thirst she had a, a void that she was trying to fill and she moved from well to well Jesus says he have been drinking from the wrong wells all along, man after man after man. Five failed marriages. And she had to be thinking, every single one, man, this, is, this, this is the one. I and mean, this time, this time it's gonna be different. Okay, this time, this, guy, this is the one. There's, there's a thing that's wrong in me, it's gonna fix it. I feel, it feels good now. Every single time, only to find out, no, that wasn't it. That wasn't a well that could actually satisfy me. This is kind of a web she's caught up in, and uh, we're we're no different. If you don't see yourself in this woman's skin, you're missing the point, and you're in a very precarious. Position. We move. It might like it might be like her, from sexual partner to sexual partner. It might be from <laughs> friend group to friend group. It might be a lifestyle change to another lifestyle change. It might be from uh, wardrobe to wardrobe, or a new car, or new toys, or new hobbies, or new churches, or new locations. Uh, maybe new website a new website or this, i don't even know social media thing the next thing maybe maybe this will be the one maybe this be, maybe this will be the one man at last those last four wells left me thirsty i mean let me just try this one man i feel like this is it this is the thing this is yeah, the no the new diet the new workout routine the new thing over and over, and we move from thing to thing. Maybe this one. You know, this one tastes like this is going to be, this is, this is finally, this is going to be the one. Only to find out, ah, oh, man, that wasn't the thing. I am still me. Oh, I'm still not content. I still don't have peace. Jesus exposes this pattern in the woman. And he exposes it in us too, so that he can break it. He lays us bare to reveal himself to us. Okay, the woman said to him, verse 19, Sir, you must be a prophet. I don't know the tone of her voice. Maybe she's quivering. Sir, you must be a prophet. I don't know. But something she said. She's at very least she's saying, you know what? You're right. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. You, you figured me out. You hit the nail on the head here. And then she says, but let me throw up one last barrier, one last shield to protect me. Religion. Here's where she goes. Our fathers. Jesus is this close with her. This close to getting her to see herself. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say, y'all, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. She picks a religious fight. I I don't know how many times I've been explaining just the simple truth of the gospel to someone that, listen, Jesus took the cross to pay for your sin and he rose from the dead to reconcile you to God. End of story. Well, what about, what about gay rights? Or what about the church's activity in politics? Or if God's if God's really a good God, why, why, why is there suffering? Or why how is it fair that your religion's right and, and other religions are wrong? Throw up. Uh, a, a religious defense here 's a theological objection you 're getting too close to my skeletons you 're getting too close to the to, to my baggage. I sense if I go another step in this conversation i 'm going to have to accept some life change and i 'm not open to change in my life so let 's throw up some some things that are Tertiary issues. Let's defend ourselves from the gospel. This is what this woman does. And Jesus, he's so brilliant. He's so, he's so brilliant. And when some, he, he demolishes this, this objection so kindly, so brilliantly, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when none of that's going to matter this mountain or that mountain, that's not what it's going to be about. You, he, he does say, I mean, you guys, y'all, this is the plural you, you, you guys worship what you don't know, Samaritans. Uh, we Jews, we worship what we do know. Salvation is from the Jews. He's, he's kind of saying, listen, yeah, Jews are closer to being on the right track. You guys are a little further from being on the right track, but... Verse 23, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. It's not about a place. It's not about a location. It's not about a position. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking. He's looking for such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must, be, must worship in spirit and truth. It's not about is it this mountain or that mountain. It's not about does, 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 does this religious club have it right or does that religious club have it right. It's not about did I do the things and and, and do the right things and not do the wrong things? Jesus says, none of that matters. God is spirit, and he's looking for people to worship him in spirit. What does that mean? Internal, from the heart. Every other, every religion, you can do actions, external actions. Whatever it might be, and you can fake it, but God is looking for worshipers who worship in a way where they can't fake it, because it's something internal, comes from the inside, not something external. God knows, knows the heart. That's worshiping in spirit, not external motions, worship from the inside, and truth. What does this mean? On God's terms? Not our terms. See what Jesus is saying? It's just so not about this mountain or that mountain. It's not about all these, these peripheral arguments that, that, that we love, these religious arguments we love to have. It's not about that. God, he's saying God's looking for people who worship from the heart, from the inside, with their spirit, because God's spirit. And he wants people who are worshiping in God's according to God's terms. God sets the term because he's God. We're not. Now she is she's just laid bare. She's she's I should say laid barrierless. Jesus has brought down every barrier. And now she starts to connect the dots. This is when the story gets exciting. This this is the part that John told this entire story so that he could say these two sentences. Right? She's starting to connect the dots, the lights are starting to come on. She's starting to be able to see who Jesus really is. She says, I know, I know that I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. What's the Messiah? He's the anointed one, he's God's savior. He's like a new type of king. She's saying, I know that when the Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, he will tell us all things. He's gonna explain. He's gonna make this stuff make sense. A lot of things are gonna click when he comes. And what she's saying there, she's going, this is what's happening with you. This This is what's happening right now, isn't it? You're that guy. And Jesus says, listen, he's never, Told anyone, in John's gospel up until now, he has not told anyone, I'm the Messiah. He hasn't said that. But he says to this outcast, this adulteress, this Samaritan, he says, I who speak to you am he. The very first person Jesus reveals his messianic identity to is not a sparkly, clean religious person. I love it. man. But a woman that couldn't have tried harder to run from God. Do you get that? She couldn't have tried harder to run from God, but then she, she meets Jesus. She meets the real Jesus, and he sorts through her baggage, and, and, and she would just never be the same again. Watch what happens. Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, "Now, look at this, she doesn't even bring her jar. I don't know how much a jar went for in those days. I, I don't know, but she didn't even care. she just, she just like left her stuff and you, you get this you, you get this picture of this woman bursting with joy and excitement. man, she has been changed. She has been changed, she met. Jesus, and she goes into town, and she's going, you guys, come on. come. You go see this guy. Come check this guy. You gotta meet this guy. No, you, you, you too. Get your brother. Come on. You guys have to meet this guy. He told me every single thing I've ever done. You have to meet. And they're like, oh, well, that's a lot of stuff. We know about the stuff you've done. And she just starts bringing him. He told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The Christ means the Messiah. It's just the Greek way of saying Messiah. Can this be the Christ? Now keep in mind, why did John write this? If you've been paying attention the last couple weeks, John chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written, why am I writing this stuff? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have eternal Life in his name. Verse 30, they went out of the town and they were coming to him. Let's jump down to 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed him, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay. And he stayed with them two more days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. What a declaration. What a declaration. Who got to say it? Those who were on the fringes of religious society. This is the savior. I mean, this is is the most powerful thing you can do is bring someone to Jesus. Because there's nothing more powerful you can do. I thank Jesus every single week for my grandma because she was constantly bringing me to Jesus. You ask Max, she's bringing him to Jesus. Every time she talks to this kid, he gets a little closer to Jesus, man. There's nothing more powerful you can do than bring someone to Jesus. And I know it's hard and I know it's awkward and I know it can be intimidating. Intimidating. So here's the deal. Our goal here is to make it as easy as possible for you. Just if you got someone that you love, you got someone that might be curious about God, but but they're on the fence. You got someone that might be far away, but they, maybe they're burned with church. Maybe, maybe, maybe they grew up in the club, but then they've, they've gone their own way. I don't know. Just, bring, just I encourage you, bring them here. We'll try to make it easy. Okay? You don't, you don't have to wager much relational coin because I promise you, what am I going to do every single week, man? I'm going to open this book and I'm going I'm to bring what's in this book out and without religion, I promise you, like a pop-up book, I'm going to try to make Jesus pop up out of this thing every single week, I promise you. Okay? There's nothing more powerful you can do than bring someone to Jesus. But we are separated Here's the deal. This is how God, this is how God intended it. Us and God, right? He, he, he. Does, his design is for us to be together with Him, to have a relationship with Him, to know Him and be be known with it, to have fellowship with Him, to experience His love and His goodness and His grace, His transformative power in our lives. Man, this is this is the design, but but we're we're, we're separated from it. Just like, just like the woman was separated from Jesus, there's some stuff. What, what's separating you from God? What is it that keeps you from God right now? What is it that is making you far from God? I don't care if you grew up a Christian or not. Ask yourself right now, what's the thing that's keeping you from God? You, you, might, you might start thinking, if you think, okay, what's me keep, keeping me from this whole God thing? I don't know. What's keeping me from this whole Jesus thing? I, maybe it's... Uh, you know, I just don't like church people. You know, uh, you know they're, they're kind of they're hypocrites. We all know that. Yeah, they're judgmental. Yeah, uh, you know, they just kind of think they're better than everyone else, holier than thou. And you know, as a matter of fact, it's not just church people. Uh, church Christians have 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 some garbage in their in their history. What about the Crusades? What about I mean, the KKK? Didn't most of those dudes say they're Christian? Separate I me. And I mean, some of these are, are pretty good. Maybe you have some theological objections. You're like, who are Christians, honestly, to think they got it figured out? And honestly, who is Jesus to say he's the only way and say other religions are wrong, other gods are, are not true? You know, and come to think of it, uh, if, if God is so good, why, why is there suffering? Why is there pain? Why is there evil? Why is there rape in the world if God is good and in control? Because there's some pretty good arguments. What, you know, if God's really love, why would, he, why would there be a hell? Some of this might be personal, too. You might have been hurt by a Christian, Someone who claimed to be a Christian, you might have been hurt bad. And you say, Man, if that's what Christians are about, I'm out. Here's the deal. There's something else though. There's something much deeper. Just like the woman at the well. There's something deeper. And if whether you're willing to admit it or not, there's something deeper separating you from God. Let's be honest with ourselves. Okay. What about my own dishonesty? And what about what about my lust? What about my my hatred? What about my self-centeredness? What about my pride? What about now? What about the fact that I'm gonna control my life? I'm king of my life, and no one's gonna make decisions. For my life, but me doesn't not not God, not anybody else. I'm on the throne, and look how separated we are from God. And you got the whole world saying to you, like, honestly, no, you you're you're perfect, man. You're fine. You're 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 great. You're fine, right where you are. You're good. Just you live how how you want to live. You whatever you whatever feels good. You do that. Like what, whatever, what, whatever, you define your own truth, okay? You, you live how you, how you want to live. You got the world shouting that, you're fine. And then you got religion shouting down, saying, man, if you were worth anything, you would figure out a way to get back up here. If you were good enough, you could do the good enough things and you could slowly bring yourself back up here. Do the good things, do the right things. Don't Stay away from the bad things. Don't do the bad things. Do the good things, and you—you you you will climb up here. Maybe, maybe God will say, "Oh, you know what? You're a pretty good person. I, I've been watching you. You've been a pretty good person. Not all those other trolls—they're all terrible. They're garbage. You know you though—you're a pretty good person. Come on in. Reli- uh, the world is saying you're fine. Religion says figure it out." Jesus says, forget them both. Jesus says, no, no, listen. You're not fine. Jesus says, you're you're not fine where you're at. You're drowning in sin. You're not fine. You're, you're, You're destroying your life. You're moving toward death. You're moving toward eternal death. You're at enmity with God. God's wrath is upon you. God ain't happy with the way you're at right now. And he wants so much more for your life. God wants so much more. And so Jesus leaves it all. He says, you're never going to figure this out. You're never going to be able to climb some moral ladder to God. So Jesus comes and he does the work. He enters. He has to enter our Samaria. He comes into our world. He, might, he meets us right at our well. And he says, come on. Let's talk. I want to talk about your soul. Let's talk about your soul. Let's talk about your wounds. Let's talk about your pains. Let's talk about your sin. Let's talk about what I did to pay the price for it. Let's talk about your future. Let's talk about your longings. Let's talk about your thirst. Let's talk about this. Let me, Jesus says, actually, let let me introduce you to God. Let me bring you to God. Let me show you who God is, all right? Let me restore this relationship, man. This doesn't happen through the world and just being fine. This doesn't happen through religion and figuring out it only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is is why we turn around and we say, y'all gotta come meet this guy because he's not just a guy, he's Jesus. He's Jesus, so wherever you're at, I don't don't know if you grew up in a Christian home or not. I don't know if you've been following Jesus for 20 years or you've never followed him a second in your life. But the message is the same. Man, come to Jesus. This is the Jesus who enters our world and has done everything to bring us back has done everything to give us the right to become children of God, to be adopted into God's family so we can experience the forgiveness that we have in him. Let's not waste any time living like the world, living like religion. Let's just live with Jesus, okay? Get in this this book. Get in John. Let Jesus come out of these pages and into your soul. You can meet Jesus. Keep showing up. Thursday nights, keep showing up. Don't show up alone. Bring someone and lean into this thing. Stand, let's pray. Here's my invitation to you. If you wanna pray, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you're not a Christian, but right now God's doing something in your soul and today's the day and he's saying, come on. Don't blow him off. Don't walk away from that. Come talk to me. Maybe it's something else and you just want to pray. Maybe you just want to talk something through. I don't know. I invite, I'm going to stand here. Anyone wants to come up and pray about following Jesus, starting to follow Jesus, or continuing to follow Jesus? I'm going to be right here. I ask that everyone else, we're going to get some chocolate. We got chocolate chip cookies, Anna. What kind of cookies we got? This is important stuff. Okay, well, you snuck cranberries in there, but white chocolate, that makes up for it. All right, so you grab a cookie, grab a coffee or a tea or something. If you want to stay and pray, hang with me. Everyone, hang out there so that we can, have, anyone that wants to pray has a, has a moment here. Bow your heads with me if you would. God, I thank you that you don't leave us where we're at. I thank you that you don't leave us to draw from the same empty well over and over. But Jesus, you come into our life. You come into our Samaria. You meet us at our well and you turn our eyes toward yourself. You offer us living water. Jesus, that wells up into eternal life. God, I pray that everyone here would taste that water. Jesus, I pray that no one that no one would leave this room without having tasted and seen and gotten to know you. I pray that you would do work in people's hearts right now that only you can do. May you be glorified, you wonderful Savior, you wonderful Messiah of ours. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.